0: We are on 25A, and we are really in middle of the, of the sugya, right, that we started last night. Um, so the Gemara says like this, the idach, uh, we're up to the right? And the last thing that the Gemara just said is that it never says explicitly that you're not allowed to eat meat and milk cooked together. It never says explicitly don't eat it. It just says you can't, you can't uh, cook it, you can't cook it, you can't cook it. We understand from there you can't cook it, you can't eat it, you can't ban it. The other Ammayra um, who disagrees with the baya. What does he believe? Mysivla, right? So around 25a, about um, 13 lines, 12 lines down. the one who argues with the baia. What does he hold? kagamar Why do we learn out that you? Why do we learn out that the iser of eating meat milk mixed with milk, cooked with milk, is learned out from nevela? Right? Nevela is an animal that died without being properly shechted. man just like a nevela asa is only forbidden to benefit from it is in a way that it is typically benefited from will you then get lashes so to meat cooked with milk you're only forbidden to benefit from if it is in a way that is typically benefited from what would a say that's why we don't find meat eating written explicitly in the case of meat cooked with milk To teach you that you get lashes for it even when you are benefiting from in a way that is atypical. The lift break, but you could ask a question on it like this. Malik le'ha how can you bring any proof from the case of vineyard chlyim, right? Of chlyim that you find in the vineyard. There is no time period in which it is actually permitted to benefit from. In other words, once you took the two species and you planted them in the ground, once they started growing, you're forbidden to benefit from. So this is a case in which it is true you cannot benefit from them later, But it's also true that there was never a time period in which you could have actually enjoyed those fruits. So can you really learn from there to the case of meat mixed with milk? Meat mixed with milk, each item separately would be permitted to benefit from before you mix them together. So maybe it's more lenient, right? Cases like this. The case is that it was klei It was mixed together um, stuff. And it had a time period in which it was actually permitted to be and before it was actually taking root. Reb Shemaya asks the question, Hamavir someone passes through a vineyard and he has with him a, ats-nuk-t. Ats-nuk-t is a pot that has a hole in the bottom, the karam, he's passing through the vineyard with a pot that has a seed in it, that is already a seed that is has already um, germinated and sprouted and he's passing through a vineyard with a hole in the bottom of it. If While you're passing through the vineyard, it, the size of the, of the seed has uh, increased by at least one two hundredth, usir uh, it is forbidden to benefit from. Why? Because since the we the, the pot that has flower pot that has a hole in the bottom is considered to be getting some level of yenika, some level of sustenance from the ground beneath it, right? And if it's receiving a level of sustenance and it grows one two hundredth, then it is forbidden to benefit from that seed. Heisif in heisif light That's true only if it actually increased by one two hundredth. Then it's forbidden. But if it did not increase, then it is not forbidden my Rabba Rabba says Trey krey, There are two Sukkim written in the Torah. Siv, it says in the Torah, Hazera. It says that the Zera Asher Tizra with Puhas the, the plants, the seeds that you have planted. Ksiv, and it also says Hamalea, right? The thing that is already grown. So it says on the one hand that the thing that is forbidden is when you plant the seed together with the vineyard. It says on the other hand that the Malaya the one that is already grown, which implies that it was already grown and not just planted in the ground. Okay, not, how Can you put these two together? A plant that was planted in a vineyard from the very beginning, as soon as it actually takes root in the ground, it already becomes forbidden. If it already was growing elsewhere, and then you bring it to the, to the vineyard. If it has increased in size when it was in the vineyard, then it becomes forbidden. If it has not, it does not become forbidden. So if it's the very first time period of it, then it becomes forbidden when it takes root. But if it's not the very first time period it already existed, then it becomes forbidden only when it has increased in size you're allowed to heal yourself with anything other than A is <laughs> a tree that has been devoted for idol worship okay you cannot heal yourself let's say it's witch hazel you can't heal yourself with it right you need to take some of that good bark that's going to help with your uh with your heart you can't do it if you're actually in the fascist category you should even be permitted to use the wood we're not talking about actual abode zara that you're doing we're talking about benefiting from wood that was dedicated for abode zara that you should be allowed to do if your life is at risk but if there's no life at risk, no risk to life, then you cannot violate any of in the your life is not a risk. it must be case Even so, you're not allowed to use If it says in the Torah you have to, I have to You should love Hashem, your God, with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Right. Then why does it also say you have to love God with all of your money? You have to love God with all of your soul. Money comes after soul. And if it says that you have to love God with all of your money, why does it to say you have to love God with all of your soul? If you have someone who cares more about his body than he cares about his money, that's why it says you have to love God with what you care about even the most, and certainly with what you care about less. Than that. Unfortunately, we all know people like this. You have people who actually care more about their money than they care about their body. And those people were going to say to them, oh, you got to love God with all your money because they care more about their money. So that's the one that you have to say you have to love God. That's why I say you have to love God with all your money. You can heal yourself with anything except for or using or killing someone. I'm not sure what kind of person would need this. To heal himself by killing someone, but okay, fine. The other two cases we can at least understand, and in theory we could say a guy is coming and he needs the uh, he needs another liver, and he sees someone very healthy, right? And he says, "Oh, you know what? This is a famous uh, philosophical debate, right? You know uh, the the right? Debate which says that the purpose of of this world is to try to give the greatest usage, right? So you have five people who are sick in a hospital." One of them has a heart issue, one of them has a brain issue, one of them has a lungs issue, one of them has a kidney issue, one of them has a liver issue. You have one healthy person, you kill that one healthy person, you save five people's lives, right? Maybe you should kill the one healthy person, save five people's lives, right? the Gemara, of course not. You cannot save your life if it means, if even healing yourself, you cannot do that if it means taking someone else's life. How do you know you can't do it with the Zara? Because we just read that you can't use that issue. How do you know that you cannot heal yourself with the ilia with illicit relations or with shri chastamim or with killing someone the tanya will learn to write the Torah compares a case of when a man is running after a woman who is betrothed and he rapes her and he's running after her with a purpose and intent of raping her the Torah says as a person who runs after someone who is a fellow to kill him so, too, someone who is trying to rape a girl who is bitch-rode. What are we comparing these two cases, right? What's the comparison between a killer and a maiden who has been violated? is teaches to teach you, it teaches you back the other way. We are comparing the case of a killer to a naira marasa. If you see a man running after a woman who, and he's going to rape her and she is currently in a relationship, a married relationship with another man, you are allowed to kill the person coming to rape her. So too, if someone is coming to kill someone else, you're allowed to kill the Roteach because that's what the Torah teaches by comparing these two ideas in one process. And you can learn out something from Roteach, from a killer, to the case of Naira HaMe'urasa, who someone is coming to rape. Just like the rape, say, the person who's coming to kill, the halacha is if someone says to you, kill or be killed, the halacha is you have to allow yourself to be killed. If someone says you rape this woman who is currently in a married relationship with a man, rape her, or else I'll kill you, the halacha is you have to allow yourself to die. How do we know that? Because the Torah compares the two. How do you know? that you're not allowed to kill someone else if your life is at risk. Someone says to you, kill him, or I'll kill you. How do you know you're not allowed to kill him? Where it says, it's an obvious, it's logical. Like the story of the one who came in front of Raba. He said to him, he's the master of my town, said to me, go kill that individual. If you don't kill him, I will kill you. He said to him, he says, allow yourself to be killed, don't kill someone else. My What do you think? Is your blood any redder than his blood, right? Shakespeare thought that he came up with the idea of Does a Jew, if a Jew bleeds, is it any less red? It wasn't Shakespeare who came up with this idea. It's the Gemara. Gemara says, if you want to say I want to kill someone else, well, I have to kill someone else. I'm allowed to violate any mitzvah in the Torah to save my life. Well, who told you that your life is more valuable than his life? Is your, li- is your blood any redder, right? It's, it's an, an allegory for saying, are you more valuable? us Maybe he's more valuable than you. Obviously, it is impossible to actually evaluate who's more valuable in life. And therefore, it becomes impossible to ever kill anyone else if your life is at risk. Right. Mar Ravina. He is he's um, he's taking the um, the unripe fruits of the first three years. Of Urla, Ar- right? So the first few years, you're forbidden to use it, right? But he's taking unripe olives, right? And what is he doing with them? He is rubbing his daughter's body to bring down her fever. So he said, basically like this He says, the Chachamim said you're allowed to use anything except for the three cardinal sins when it comes to somebody's life at risk. But over here, your daughter's life, life is not at risk and you're not allowed to benefit from our law. You're not allowed to benefit from the fruits of the first three years of the tree. So why are you using these unripe olives to, to rub down your daughter's body? Amalai um, said, Hai ishta nami Very important When someone is having a flare of a fever and it is not due to the fact that they just got vaccinated and therefore they're having a spiking fever, we don't know what it is, and they're young children, then you have to do anything to ensure that that fever comes down quickly so that it does not cause you know, multi-organ failure. And therefore, even though it seems like just the fever, you can even violate these other laws of Arla and benefit from Arla, even though typically you're not a lot of another way to say this. Amalei, midi darach didn't I? He another answer. He didn't have to come on to the fact that this was a, something that could lead to a life-threatening scenario. But rather what he says is, am I utilizing these unripe olives in the way in which it typically is used to derive benefit from? No, not at all. It's the Gemara says. Let's say you have a benefit that comes to someone against his will. Abaya Amar Mutaras is permitted to benefit from. Rav Amar Asur, Rav says it's forbidden to benefit from. When it's a case where it is possible for him to avoid it, and the reason why he is going this specific way in which the Hanna is going to fall onto his lap is because he wants that Hanna, then obviously that's not, that's not a, everybody agrees, that's forbidden. Let's say it is not permitted, I'm sorry, it is not possible for him to avoid it, And he has in mind to benefit from when he is in this scenario. Everybody agrees in that case also. Of course, it's forbidden, right? So if it is possible for him to avoid it and he wants to go there anyways, then he's certainly going to be violating it. If it is not possible for him to avoid it, but he's having in mind to benefit, also obvious that he's going to be in violation. Everybody, both Rab and Abaya agree. Let's say he does not have in mind and it's not possible to avoid it. Then kuleyama lepligi, the shari, everybody reason permitted. So where do they argue? Kiplegi, in a case, where do they argue? The after it's possible for him to avoid this direction, and then he will not benefit. But he has no intention of benefiting either. i leave it to Rabbi Yehuda. And this mechlekes is really dependent on mechlekes of Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shivan that we had in Shabbos and Ereven so many times. Yehuda is of the opinion that when you do an action and something happens unintentionally caused by that action, it's still forbidden to be done. Everybody agrees, according to Rabbi Yehuda, there's nothing to talk about. In this scenario, it's also forbidden to benefit from. We talk about an object that you're forbidden to benefit from, right? You're forbidden to also derive any benefit from. Well, let's say you benefit from it in an indirect way. So according to Rabbi Yehuda, of course, it's going to be forbidden, the same way he holds in general that it's forbidden. When do they argue? They argue according to the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. It says that when it comes to benefiting from something that is an unintentional uh, benefit, and then you are indeed permitted to do this on Shabbos. So did Kira Shimon, would argue and say, I don't know that Rav When did Rav say that you are allowed to engage in this activity even though there's going to be an inevitable consequence? Not sorry, not an inevitable consequence. Something will occur that you do not intend to occur. That's only true when there is no way to avoid it. but it's possible to avoid it. Then indeed, he would disagree, and and even he would not disagree. And even if Shimon would agree, you should not engage in an activity that will certainly end up causing this uh, this action. If there's a way to avoid it. Another way to say this, and indeed, another way to say this is where it is possible to avoid it and there's no intent, that's actually the dispute between a and a Where it is not possible to avoid it and you do not intend to benefit, everybody agrees to permit it. Where they argue where you did not, it's not possible to avoid it, but they had intent to enjoy. And they're arguing in Rav Shimon's world. Rav Shimon says you go after the intention of the person. Everybody agrees that it'll be forbidden. Where It might be in the opinion of Rav Yehuda. Rav Yehuda says, I don't care if you have intent or not, your intention is not really critical. Well, if Rebihudah says your intent is not critical, in a case where it is possible, it is not possible for you to avoid it, but you had intention, well, since it's not possible for you to avoid it, even if you had intention, it's still okay according to Rebihudah, at least according to one of the things. if it's possible to avoid it, it is forbidden. Abayah, Rebihudah. Abaya holds like Rebbe Huda that, um, that since if you hold like Rebihudah that your intention has no role, then it really just depends on is it avoidable or not? If it's avoidable, then you're not allowed to do it. Rav would say to you that Rabbi Huda only says it that when you have something unintentional that it should become like mechavin. Elul chumra. only says it when it's going to lead to astringency. To say that not having in mind is really the same thing as having in mind when it's going to lead to a leniency. Then over there he's not going to say. There review Yehuda wouldn't go so far. i buy a tiny bit further. You know, I mean, you know, how do I know that? Rebbe Huda wouldn't go so far as to a case where you did not have in mind to be exactly the same thing as when you're having in mind when it's going to lead to leniency. The Tanya went to Raisa. They said about Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, he was sitting in the the tzile, in the shadow of the hechal of the Beit Hamikdash. The derash kaleyem kulayim and he's the entire day. Over there, there was no way for him to avoid this. is where he was giving his drasha. and ultimately he benefited from the south, from the shade. Misharians, still was permitted. Although you're not permitted to derive benefit from the basically, typically, still was permitted over there. So that's what the bias says. So you see from here that indeed you are permitted to benefit from if it's not if it's not possible for you to avoid this benefit, even if you intend it to benefit. Rav Mashani says it's not a good proof from there because the walls of the heichal were not created to create any sort of benefit for the outside of the walls. They're created to. Or benefit for the inside. And therefore, even if you benefit from them, it's still not forbidden. When we talk about for- forbidding in a, in benefiting in a forbidden way from the base of HaMikdash, we refer to benefiting from the item in which it is meant to be benefited from, but for your own purposes. And i.e., if you were benefiting on the inside of the base of mikdash from the walls that were put up for the inside, that would be problematic. If you're benefiting on the outside, it's not problematic. Tomorrow, we'll continue to discuss where Rava learns his source from, that he is lenient, in the opinion of, uh, sorry, the other way around that. He is actually stringent in the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda and says that it is forbidden to, even if you had no choice, but if you had an intention to benefit from it, it is still forbidden even according to Rabbi Yehuda. Tomorrow, that's what we'll start with on 26th day.